Hello, and welcome to the Homeschooling and Loving It podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, your friend at homeschool.com and homeschool mom of six. Join us as we keep it real and chat about the ups and downs of this amazing adventure we call the homeschool life. So grab a cup of your warm favorite and a comfy chair and let's get started. Welcome to homeschool.com's homeschooling and loving it podcast. This week we're now another one of those controversial educational topics, handwriting. In fact, a lot of schools today, they are moving away from teaching handwriting simply because they don't see its importance or maybe they just don't have enough time in the day. In any case, my opinion is quite different and it's very similar to the opinion of our special guest that we have with us today. So let me introduce her. Her name is Holly Britton. She is the creator and founder of Squiggle Squad, a handwriting program that encourages a fresh approach to letter and number formation, groundwork for reading, writing, and reasoning, and further education. Holly is a curriculum and instruction specialist with teaching experience in all grades K through 8. She's also an author and conference speaker and a former home educator of four now adult children. So welcome, Holly. Thank you for having me. We're thrilled to have you here today. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and jump into our conversation. So tell us a little bit about why you're passionate about helping kids with handwriting. It's so nice to be here talking about one of my favorite topics, handwriting. Um, I wasn't always passionate about handwriting. So by way of answering that question, let me just sort of um, go to a broader view of writing in general. When I was teaching up in higher levels, like fourth and fifth grade, third grade, uh, I really wanted to impart ability to write to kids, you know, so they, they could communicate and express themselves and be creative. And I found myself bumping up against their inability to do the basic, basic foundational um, writing needs. And one of those was actually forming letters and numbers on their page. So I would give them a writing prompt and if I asked them to tell me what they were thinking orally, they could just, blah, 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 you know, just yeah. spit it right out. But if I wanted them to get it on paper, wow, it was like torture for them. And so in an attempt to diagnose what was going on, it wasn't one student having a problem. It was classes having a problem, you know, the majority wow. of kids. And so I began asking myself, why is this happening Having homeschooled my other kids, my, my own four kids, I I didn't have these problems. So I, I just, and especially all the way back down at kinder where I was helping to coach kinder, brand new kinder teacher, that kids were actually not being systematically taught, explicitly taught how to form a letter on paper. So when I would get them up the pipeline, yeah, I mean, I'm talking like as, as high as fifth, seventh grade. Wow. They were forming their letters bottom to top or clockwise when most of our letters in, in ball and stick anyway, manuscript writing are counterclockwise. And so watching these teachers teach it, I realized 
sort of the way they were doing it would be to give them a workbook and have them go off and figure it out on their own and independent learning, so to speak, while the teacher would go over and teach, say, phonics or math or whatever, sort of leaving the child to their own devices to figure out how to um, efficiently form these letters, which they did not do naturally. I find with homeschoolers, it's a little bit more, it's a little different in that uh, you're typically teaching one-on-one. So they catch these problems relatively early. But it's been a while since I've been all the way back at the beginning of my homeschool years. And I don't, I don't know that everybody coming into teaching handwriting understands that it's not something that comes naturally. It needs to be explicitly taught. So back to your, your original question. I'm passionate about teaching handwriting because I'm really passionate about children learning. And I feel that handwriting is a means of honing thinking skills, helping kids learn how to parse through their own thoughts, helping them learn how to formulate their thoughts and then articulate their thoughts. And I loved how you put that, that it is, um, it's kind of that foundation. And then if they're missing a foundation, how in the world can they build on it? Exactly, exactly. And a lot of, I think adults that write all the time, like second nature, take for granted the fact that they were taught how to do it. And because it feels so natural to us, we erroneously believe that it comes naturally to kids. But neurologically speaking, developmentally speaking, kids do not learn how to write the way they learn how to speak. Right. It would be, we would be hard pressed to keep a child from speaking because it comes, that is by definition natural for them. They mm-hmm. mimic naturally. But writing is a code that man has created. And as such, it needs to be taught to the next generation so that it becomes like second nature to them. And by not teaching it, by not being intentional about teaching it, we could be handicapping our children from further learning the more complex skills of writing that, you know, build on the basics, build on, on being able to physically, kinesthetically get it down onto paper. And those, those higher level learning things would be first the other conventions of English like spelling and vocabulary and punctuation, but not too far behind that then is reasoning skills and summarizing skills, being able to paraphrase something, being able to logically think through something. Those are all things that build on the writing foundations, which begin with the motor skill, the actual physical act of getting your words or letters at the very beginning onto paper. I believe I read, I'm not sure, I've read a lot of your writing recently, so I'm not sure exactly where I've read this. Could have been the blog you did for us or uh, the blog that you had done for another website I read recently. Um, But you mentioned something about handwriting and muscle memory and 
how a student who has practiced and has all of the, the strokes and everything has just become muscle memory to them so that when they think about creative writing, they're no longer having to focus on the actual movement of their muscles. They can be creative and let those creative juices flow. Um, I think you likened the opposite of it to um, driving down a road with speed bumps. Was that, was that the analogy? <laughs> yes. Yes. So that's how I think about it. Like again, up at those older grade levels where I want to be able to give a writing prompt or a, like a journal. Okay. You guys, let's talk about um, what we did at the museum yesterday. I want you to write the, your the three favorite things that you took away from our trip to the museum yesterday and the kids sit down and oftentimes, yes, it's things like spelling that bumps them or, um, or other writing conventions like, Mm -hmm. you know, grammar or syntax or whatever. But oftentimes I'm finding that kids actually physically have a difficult time flowing and so, yes, I likened it to I likened it to a car. You want to drive at sixty miles an hour, and every time you, you know, you get up to speed and you're feeling okay, it's like bump, 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 yeah. and it's understandably frustrating. And um, and I have found that we don't often look to that as a problem. I don't even think that most kids could articulate that it's a problem for them. I think it's something that an outsider looking in and trying to diagnose a child's uh, learning bumps would need, need to um, need to diagnose for them. So what I found is this in the earlier years, those bumps are bigger, harder, and less likely for the child to be able to hurdle mm. as the child gets older, let's say fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, they actually become fluent, if you will, or proficient at their inefficient writing style. Right. So they actually can write fairly easily, though they are still writing bottom to top or clockwise instead of counterclockwise. But because it's not fluid, because it's not flowy, it's not easy for them. Mm-hmm. And so time and time again, they go back to that, that feeling of being uncomfortable makes them think that they don't like the writing process. It is super complex. There's a lot of things that could be bumping a child when you go to write. But in order to adequately and accurately identify the problem, it helps to go all the way back to the beginning. Let's just see if the actual act of writing is the thing that's that's uncomfortable to this kid. Okay, so kind of taking a little step back. I know when mine were little, uh, now I have, my, my baby is now just going into high school, so things have wow. changed for me. But I remember when she was just starting and, oh my goodness, it was like, pulling teeth to get her to hold her pencil and hold it in the right position. (laughs) You know, all of those, Uh all of the little mechanics that go into that process and building, like you said, that fluidness, 
where they don't even have to think about it and it flows for them. And uh, because I was a classroom teacher as well, I knew how necessary that was. Um, so I worked with her, but frustration after frustration. And so I'm just wondering if you have any suggestions to help us as homeschool moms, dads, uh, to motivate and encourage them past that initial, <laughs> just, oh. yeah, the huge bump there, that, that start. <laughs> oh my goodness. You are just like hitting all the points. So let's just go way back. Let's, let's pretend you are starting again and you're brand new to bringing this little up the pipeline and figuring out what uh, he or she should be doing. Uh, I hate to use the word, but let's just use it academically to make sure that their learning is happening. The very first thing that I can offer is too often Parents want to start too early. I like to say you can't force biology. You have to let the learning, developing, brain development, motor skill development happen naturally in its God-given time. And so there is no hurry to, especially if you're homeschooling and you have the flexibility and the luxury of going with the child's biological time clock. There's no rush to get them forming letters on paper. So the very, very first thing to do is let them let them experience cause and effect. So the very first thing that a little does is fist something like a crayon or a marker or a pencil, and they put it to paper, and they get the delight of seeing that the movement their hand makes actually creates something on paper. Like they are, they are experiencing these little lights, and the light isn't. Oh, I just made the letter A, or right. even oh, I just made a circle. The first light is oh, I made something on paper. <laughs> exactly. I just made a mark, and then you might change colors. Oh, I did. I just made a green mark. I just made a red mark. I just made a blue mark, and those are the things. And if your child is taking delight in that, yes, don't squash it. Let them delight in that because they are right then developing the motor skills that they need. So at first they're going to be big motor skills like using um, the muscles that originate in the shoulder and the upper part of their arm. They're also, don't forget, trying to learn how to sit still long enough to draw something. <laughs> so they're actually using their core muscles and they're learning attention. Like, how long can I get this child to actually put marks on a paper? And maybe your yeah. first goal isn't what they're drawing, but that they are drawing. And you're allowing them that. So incrementally, you then work up from there. When you start seeing that their little fingers can hold something um pinching, let's say, pinching a crayon or pinching a, a marker and they're starting to hold it in more of a static position but between fingers instead of fist, then you can kind of uh, move them towards maybe coloring inside the line or, um, or tracing a line on the paper, um, etc. Those kinds of things. Then you incrementally build up. I would say it's very, very appropriate by the late four-year-old age 
five-year-old age is when we start seeing kids able to hold that sort of quintessential tripod uh, at first static pencil grip. And then over time, they start to realize that by moving their fingers, they can actually affect what happens at the pencil's um, point. But that takes a little bit of time. So until they're actually able to control their arm and then slowly their hand and fingers, um, letter formation can, can wait. What you should be teaching them at this point about letters is recognizing them in print, recognizing those letters in print. That's, that's why we point to the letters as we read yep. because we're trying to get them to connect that what the story I am telling is actually coded in these marks on the paper that we are now reading, right? Absolutely. That's wonderful. And you can also be teaching letter names. So while you might not require them to write the letter A, it's very appropriate for you to teach them that that shape is called an A. Later, the understand the, it's really abstract that understanding that a letter shape is a symbol for a sound. Let's learn more concrete things like that picture is a picture of a dog. That picture is a picture of a hand. And that's more concrete. They can make that connection. But then when you show them that picture is a picture of a sound, it's a lot more abstract and it takes them a little bit longer to to make that connection. When it comes to actually writing the letter, it really helps to break down the strokes And that's what we get to in the Squiggle Squad program is just breaking down the strokes and getting the kiddos to be able to control their finger and then their crayon or pencil in incremental asks instead of asking too much too fast. Right. That makes perfect sense. Wow. I really loved how you brought that down to the very beginning. And I think that's what we miss a lot of times. (laughs) Um, I know in school, obviously, that kind of happens for preschoolers and, and such. But even as homeschoolers, I think sometimes we miss that initial stage of we're just making a mark and this is loads of fun, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we can yes. change up. We can change colors. Look how fun. I think um, you really hit the nail on the head with that, that right there and just picking up that crayon, pencil marker, whatever, and making that mark and making it fun. I think that's yes. the first step in really making this whole process of learning how to write painless. One thing to keep in mind is that learning is intrinsically rewarding to a child. Mm-hmm. And when you are teaching them at a developmentally appropriate level that those sparks, that delight, that joy of learning happens naturally because kids, you know, want to please you. They want to do what is right, quote unquote. They want to make the mom happy. They want to make the teacher happy. They They want to know that they're doing well and we can ensure that they're doing well when we, when I ask of them, 
is developmentally appropriate. And that's not to say that we won't come up against things that are hard and we need them to struggle. We need them to try. But sometimes we ask too much. Sometimes we ask above their developmental ability. Sometimes we just um, ask too much complexity. Like we've layered too many layers on top of each other for them to parse through what exactly they should be doing. So sometimes it takes backing up a little bit. Sometimes it means peeling back a little bit and breaking down the process so that they are rewarded by their success. So sometimes we think that fun means we have to entertain them or we have to always let them do what they want to do instead of what we know is good for them. But I think fun, it's the, the nuance of fun <clears throat> can be found in teaching the developmentally appropriate thing in that appropriate window and letting them build on that. And then that, then desire kind of begins to build on itself. And you've, mm-hmm. you've been the catalyst, but then they, you, you've kind of, you know, pushed them beyond thought of naturally but then naturally they take it over because now they're experiencing that reward from inside okay so you answered a few more of my questions in that little bit so you know now i'm thinking of maybe those a little bit older students and uh the ones as we mentioned before that may have these bumps or roadblocks that um cause issues in in their learning progression now that they're older, what do you do to help them? Do you fix that? Is there a way to remediate that situation? Or um, what do we do? You mean specifically the trouble specifically related to the physical act of writing on paper? Is that right. Amazing? Like you mentioned Thank earlier, um, where you had like fifth grade students and they weren't fluid with their writing. Maybe they had gotten quick and they could write and they didn't really worry so much about how they were writing and picking up the pen and paper, but they weren't fluid. And so there was still that problem rooted in the foundation. How, how can you help them over that? Boy, it's a big question. We could write an entire book Uh on this. (laughs) Um, But um, by way of answering that, let me back up just a little bit. Okay. Keeping in mind that, I'm sort of changing my approach to handwriting in that in the past it was always looked at as because it was the only means of communicating through writing um, way back yesteryear. Of course, it was super important that children knew how and learned how to write because they would be doing it for their entire adult life. And now, of course, we have keyboarding and it is no secret that even if you know how to handwrite, Uh, maybe the majority of our writing happens through the keyboard. So what we're trying to get at with handwriting is not just beautiful penmanship, cursive handwriting. What we're trying to get to is a means of flowing our thoughts from our head to paper. So handwriting does both helps you process those thoughts. I mean, how many authors do we know that actually still write by hand, even though they word process on a computer? They think better because they're writing by hand. You know, many people say that. But 
now in school, we've got the question of, do we... Do we need to teach handwriting? Do the kids need to do handwriting? Because after all, we have keyboarding. So if you have a child now up in fifth grade, sixth grade, that doesn't like to write by hand, main questions. One, can I get them, can I give them the opportunity to have handwriting as a tool for thinking? Because I, as a parent, want my child to be able to use this as a tool. And by not teaching them, we've kind of taken a tool out of their toolbox, a really valuable tool. And given the choice now to handwrite or or text or write on computer, we, we actually have taken that choice away from them if we haven't really taught them to write. So on the one hand, we have this, should we teach them to write piece of the handwriting? And then we have the, Am I trying to get them um, fluidly or get their writing fluency to a place where they can just flow a thought from their head out onto paper or, in this case, into a computer? In which case, you would need to be addressing their keyboarding skills. And I will tell you just as an aside that a lot of schools are not addressing that need either, which means not only can they not handwrite fluidly or fluently, but they're still chicken pecking the keyboard, which means uh, in reference to what you were talking about earlier about the working memory, their working memory is taken up with the act of searching for keys rather than the act of thinking about what they're trying to write. Let's head back to handwriting. That keyboarding thing aside, the formal teaching of keyboard fluency is also important for their adult life skills. But if we want to remediate an older child that doesn't know how to handwrite or doesn't like handwriting, then my go-to is first treat it as a motor skill. Remember that they have to build stamina. They have to um, have practice so that it becomes easy physically for them. So if you're only asking them to write once or twice a week and they have problems with letter number formation and they don't have the muscle skill or dexterity to write, then let's treat it as a motor skill. And for that kind of stuff, I would say in order to interest them or pique their interest, um, you can cross-train cross, cross train through artistic endeavors like painting or sculpting or a musical instrument where they're actually physically working their muscles that they don't know is improving their ability to handwrite. Yes. And then, that I would say my go-to always, it has been, whether with my own children or in a classroom, my go-to for pencil control practice and stamina building are are, uh, writing activities that are fun for kids, like uh, extreme dot-to-dot or coloring, extreme coloring books or mazes. Um, Very often in my classes, those will be the rewards for finishing 
a an assignment that I gave them. Their reward would be, okay, you can go grab your maze book or you can go grab your dot to dots. And then whether they know it or not, they are building both stamina and the ability to control themselves. I love it. Great suggestions. <laughs> yeah, and then because we're speaking to homeschoolers, another very fun thing that has proven successful is using a handwriting curriculum. Of course, I, I recommend Squiggle Squad. Yes. But the older child who's struggling with letter formation can learn how to do the Squiggle Squad program and teach it to their younger sibling. So then you you ha- introduce it to an older kid on the auspice that the, he or she will be teaching the younger child how to form letters correctly. Very good idea. I love it. Little ulterior motive. Yes, thing, and, and it can help. <laughs> those do those do really work. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, so I I want to hear more about your particular uh, program that you've created. I know you've developed this writing program. We've mentioned it, Squiggle Squad. Um, how does this program work, and how can we use it as homeschool families? It is made specifically and intentionally for homeschool and classroom um, instruction. And I started here because I do care so much that children learn how to write, not just learn how to handwrite, but they learn how to write. And this is the beginning of it. So it goes all the way back. What Squiggle Squad does differently is it breaks the letter formation process into strokes specifically five strokes, and those five strokes um, of manuscript writing are represented by a Squiggle Squad member. So there's five members of the Squiggle Squad. They're all of an endangered species. We have Lines the Lemur, Bubbles the Bunny, Curves the Camel, Slide the Seal, and Dash the Duck. Mm-hmm. And like I said, they represent a stroke in manuscript writing. So for example, Lines the Lemur, his favorite squiggle, if you will, is a vertical line top to bottom. So a child will have, will practice each of the strokes in their own little booklet in isolation, totally decoupled from learning a letter. So they will only play with Lines the Lemur and practice top to bottom strokes and they might um, for example, draw raindrops with their finger first, top to bottom, top to bottom. And then they might um, in, and do uh, what we call a pencil path practice where the, the, the tracing line is not a, a single dotted line. It's a little bit of a, it gives them a little bit of wiggle room so that as they're learning to control their pencil top to bottom, they're still successful because they're staying inside the path. And then they practice that throughout the book. The hope is that we are securing that top to bottom movement into their muscle memory so that it does become easy. We're just ingraining it like a rut. Uh, One of the harder strokes is the counterclockwise circle because left to their own devices, students very often, especially right-handed kiddos, will do a clockwise circle, which they don't change when you start teaching them letters that require a counterclockwise circle, such as a lowercase letter A 
or lowercase letter D or G or Q. You've got that, you know, you need to that counterclockwise circle. So they practice with Bubbles the Bunny over and over and (laughs) over doing that. Um, Again, totally um, apart from learning a letter. Then when they've learned them in isolation and they've really gotten the hang of it, the animals come together to play and they form letters. So Bubbles the Bunny plays with lines the lemur, and they form the letter A. And if they've practiced a lot, then in isolation, those uh, strokes in isolation, then when they come together to learn the letter A, it's not as daunting for them to do Bubbles the Bunny and lines the lemur, you know, all together. Absolutely. I love that. That That is definitely a different approach to handwriting than I've ever seen before. Oh, yeah, I, I, same. I, you know, of course, have looked high and low, um, and because I couldn't find it, um, we created it. That's how great stuff is born. It is about time for us to wrap up our podcast session. I just wanted to see if you had any final words of encouragement for our homeschool community. I know you've been a homeschool mom, and you understand a lot of the struggles that we face, um, you know, obviously on topic of handwriting, but just even as mom to mom. So if you want to take a second just to share your heart. Yeah, I, I might not be able to say it without tears. Homeschooling no. <laughs> was the best thing I have ever, ever experienced in my life. It not only gave my kids a great education, it gave me a great education and it continues to give me a great education. Um, I am always learning uh, the beautiful thing about homeschooling is that um, that you learn together, and that can be inspiring for both the parents and the kids. And I would say that anything you bump up against that's frustrating in the learning process is an opportunity to sit back, reflect, peel away the layers of of complexity that may have built up or reasons why things have gotten fuzzy or unclear and take whatever it is, whether it's handwriting or something academic or even something in your child's character. If you can take the time to go back to the beginning and think through the roots, the sources and build back up, um, towards your end goal, um, you have the luxury of doing that. We have the luxury and and the time that we need as homeschoolers to really um, address each of our children at their point of need along the way. And um, and at our point of need too, where where are we bumping? Where are we not um, um, experiencing the flow? that we want to experience and really just being able to, to reflect on that, pray about that, consider, and then move forward in a more productive uh, direction and, um, and enjoy the process. It, it comes with its struggles. It comes with its challenges, but wow, does it come with its rewards? Sure does. I appreciate those words of encouragement. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I look forward to connecting with you and other homeschoolers um, as we move forward. 